visiting with Roanoke City School Superintendent, Mr. Chuck Markham. Uh, Mr. Markham, school's been out since March the 13th, I think. There's no students on campus. The teachers returned last week, and you're a week away from the return of students. How has this time planning been for you? Well, it's probably been, without a doubt, the most challenging time I've had during my almost 17 years as a superintendent. Uh, we're going on 18 years superintendent, actually. Uh, even though we have, we have not had students since March the 13th, I probably have never worked harder than I have from that time until now, uh, with, along with our staff, trying to develop plans for the upcoming year. And we have what we think is a good plan, and uh, history will tell us whether it's a good plan or not when we look back on it, if it's uh, what we need to be doing. But we've tried to make every decision that we make based on the safety of our students and our staff. That's been our primary goal. Uh, with the understanding that there's different viewpoints on what we need to be doing. I mean, I know some systems have made the decision that they're going to go completely virtually. Uh, some systems, they're, going com uh, they're coming back with all on-site instruction, some doing a hybrid of those two things. And, uh, we, you know, we, we come up with a plan on what we think is best uh, for our kids, and I'm sure we'll get into it during our interview, but um, I look forward to talking to you about what we've uh, attempted to do to start the 20. 2020-21 school year. Has it felt like, I believe there's 138 school systems in the state, do you feel like that uh, every one of those has a different idea or plan? Is that what, you, is that what you're seeing or hearing? To a degree, but in, uh, you know, the state, under Dr. Eric Mackey's leadership, came up with a roadmap to reopening, and it was just some guidelines, not specifics, and then they let each system take those guidelines and try to adopt it to your system, which I appreciate that because Roanoke's different than Mobile County. And uh, so we do have some different uh, uh, things that we need to look at that's, di that, that, that's a more of a challenge uh, for us than maybe some other systems or vice versa. Uh, one good thing we have going for us in Roanoke is that we're, uh, we're way ahead of a lot of systems as far as technology infrastructure is concerned. And by that, I mean every kid in our system, K kindergarten through 12th grade, has a Chromebook. And so we can go virtually pretty easy, whereas a lot of systems have been spending time buying technological equipment or buying Chromebooks and getting those out to students. So that, that, that put us in a little bit better position than maybe some systems, but, uh, but you're right, there's a lot of different plans out there. But I will say this, I appreciate what Dr. Mackey's done. I think he's been uh, done a great job of communicating with us uh, throughout this. And, uh, um, and, and put it back on us as a local system to try to develop plans that's best for your students and staff. He used the analogy to me back in April that uh, he created a bowling lane and he put up bumpers. Is that kind of the direction that he did uh, for the return to school for the fall? I think that's a great analogy. That's what he's done. He's gave us parameters that you have to get this done uh, and then gives us the flexibility of how you go about doing that. Uh, so I, I think that's a great analogy of, of, of what he's done. And, and that's a lot better than being real pres prescriptive and saying you've got to do it this way. Because one size fits all, those plans always bother me because they, we do have differences between systems. Let's talk a little bit about you have three schools that uh, you are responsible for. We're going to begin at uh, the youngest age, uh, night and low, and that's uh, pre-K through third grade, Correct. and uh, 
let's talk a little bit about some of those plans because those those are going to be a little different because you have a younger age children there, especially in pre-K. And I know that there was some, the governor had come out and said uh, to second grade and up wear masks. You had already implemented that all school, that all students would wear, teachers and students, faculty would wear masks. Uh, tell us a little bit about the plans for Night Inlow specifically. Okay. Uh, as far as uh, Night Inlow, and you're correct, the, 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 the state order only requires masks second grade up. But we're going we're gonna to also have masks for, uh, for kindergarten and first grade. And, and having said that, Adam, we understand the age of these children. We're going to work with them and uh, try to do the best we can. I'm convinced our kids will do just as well as anyone else does, if not better than most systems uh, with that uh, as, as we move forward. But we will have masks. Uh, we will provide those masks, no, no expense to the parents uh, on any mask at any of our schools. Uh, we, and some parents uh, uh, that want to buy uh, their own uh, mask for their child, that, that, that's definitely acceptable as long as it meets one of three criteria. It's got to be solid, it's got to be clear, it's got to be handling. And you say, well, why are you doing that? The rationale behind that, we've got so much to do right now. We do not want to get into dress code issues with the mask and determine whether that's appropriate or that's inappropriate. Or So we're just not going to do it. And that, that, that's just one less thing we'll have to do as a staff. And, and uh, you know, if you've got a certain mask you feel real strong about, you're welcome to wear it quick as you leave, not in low or middle school or the high school. But while you're there, you're going to wear a mask that fit that criteria. Uh, but back to not in low, one thing that really bothers me about not in low, that maybe as much as anything about this that I don't like that we're having to do, is having had two uh, kids that went through this system all the way through from kindergarten through 12th grade, I, re- I realized that one of the most important days is the first day a kindergarten student goes to night in low. And I understand the emotion behind that. And in the past, we've let parents walk those kids to the room. But this year, we're not going to be able to. They're just going to be able to take them to the front door. And the reason is we have spent a lot of money uh, and time this summer using a, a, a high-priced disinfectant and cleaning, enhanced cleaning techniques for our building, and we're going to be very particular about who we allow in our buildings. Uh, we're not going to allow visitors in our buildings, uh, to our, in our academic buildings, other than the office area at any of our three schools. And we know there are going to be times during the year when parents are going to need to meet with a teacher or principal. We prefer, if possible, let's do that by phone to limit contact, but if it can't be... so. Uh, resolved or, or, or done on the phone or through email, then if you need to come in and meet face-to-face, we're going to limit those meetings to the office areas at each all three schools. Once again, all back to safety. We want to protect our students and our staff, and uh, that, that, that's why we're doing it, but that, just, uh, that, that that's bothersome. One thing we're going to do at night, in low, classes actually start for all kids on the 20th, which is a week from today, but kindergarten will not start until that Monday. Uh, we want to get those first two days out of the way and then where we can really all hands on deck with our staff to help those kids uh, uh, make that transition from the parents uh, at the front door to their, to, the, to their classroom. Does that include pre-K, pre-K and kindergarten? Yeah, they'll, they'll start later, yes. Okay. Uh, how about uh, lunches? How will, how will the students at night in a low, will they go to the lunchroom? Well, I'll... They will not. Uh, all three of our schools, actually, we're going to eat in, in the classroom. One of the big things you're trying to do on this is limit movement. Uh, you know, night in low, you're familiar with the campus, but we're going to try to keep students in their building. Like if I'm a third-grade student, 
we want you in third grade, second grade, and second grade, and, and so on and so forth. And then with our lunches, our lunchroom staff, we've bought carts that'll actually put the meals, uh, prepackaged meals on there, and then we'll uh, take them uh, to the room and give them to the students there, and, and they'll eat in their classroom. Uh, you know, we're going to have cases. We've got over a thousand kids coming back to school and um, 175 staff. I wish I could sit here and tell you we're not going to have any cases, but we're going to. When we do, we want to be able to isolate that case as much as we can to that building and that classroom. Like one of our procedures is every classroom, I don't care whether it's kindergarten through 12th grade, you have to have a seating chart in that classroom. And the reason being, little Johnny gets a positive test we'll upload that to the Alabama Department of Public Health and they will determine who was exposed by Little Johnny. Anyone that was within six foot of Little Johnny for 15 minutes or more is considered exposed and they have to be quarantined for 14 days as well. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, we will be eating in the uh, classroom. We will be wearing masks. We're gonna limit visitors at night in low. Uh, we're gonna limit movement uh, and uh, you know, do the best we can and I will say this please to all of our parents I, I, I really do regret that uh, we're having to be this strict about allowing you in our buildings we love for you to be in our buildings we can't wait till that gets to where we can return some normalcy there but these are difficult times. Well you you mentioned dropping the kids off at the door the younger kids and you you made a reference you are a parent and you've been through this twice and 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 I'm going to say something because I remember your exact quote. You cried like a baby. I did. I did. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I went by that room several times when I, uh, with Reagan and Taylor. So, yeah, I, I get it. And, uh, you know, one other thing about Night in Low, we're going to change a little bit about drop-offs. So parents will understand this. In the past, in drop-offs, there was two places. You, at the canopy, at the, by, by the second-grade building, and then on the kindergarten side, this year there will be three drop-offs. Still keep the kindergarten and second grade side, but also you'll be able to drop off by the third grade building. So we'll, we'll have three different drop-offs. And the reason we're doing that is try to, once again, uh, limit the uh, uh, exposure to different parts of the building. Now, having said that, we'll have some uh, families that have kids in two different grade levels. You don't have to go to both sides. You'll let out at one side, and uh, uh, and uh, they'll, they'll, be, they'll, they'll have to walk there. We can't ask parents to go through that traffic line twice, let a first grader out and a third grader out. We're, 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 that's not feasible. How different will the middle school look? Oh, pretty much the same as far as the overview of what we talked about with night in low beach so with the middle school as well. But now with their older kids, we, we, we don't expect to have as much problems with the mask as we do at night in low. And because uh, they're older and we expect more out of them, uh, but they will be required to wear a mask at all times. As we talked about with the night in low, they will be staying, we want them in their wings. We got uh, those different wings of that middle school building. We want them to stay in those uh, uh, different wings of that. Uh, we will not be using lockers this year to create that opportunities for exposure there. Really going to try to. Uh, um, keep traffic out of hallways and one thing we're looking at doing that is having uh, teachers swap classrooms instead of kids so then they'll stay in that classroom so I mean a lot of thought went into a lot of things that we've done there you know like middle school as will be the high school we won't have assemblies uh, we won't do uh, 
pep rallies unless we can get outside to have those. We won't come into the gym for for mass meetings and uh, um, you know do anything that we can do to mitigate the the exposure to students from each other so that they can't spread the virus. And research keeps telling us over and over again is that the best way to do that is social distancing. But it's not feasible that we can always be six foot apart. Uh, but then if you can't do that, we we'll make sure we have our mask on. That helps. And then we're going to be washing hands. I didn't mention this at night in low, but it'd be the same thing at all three schools. We, we've bought 48 hand dispensers uh, or hand sanitizer dispensers that we'll put in strategic locations in all of our buildings. And we'll have hand sanitizers in the classrooms that don't have sinks. Now, not most of our classrooms at night in low in the middle school have the capability of washing their hands uh, with a, uh, in, in the classroom. High school, that's not, so the hand sanitizer will have that, so we're going to constantly be talking about that. And if we do have cases where kids have to change classes, then we'll clean those desks and the buses in between different kids sitting in those seats. All right, let's move to the high school. That, that may be a little different, yeah. a different animal. So let's talk about the structure of the high school from changing classes and what you're going to do to keep the kids safe. Yeah, high school is, is much is, is different, and it creates a lot of uh, uh, t- unique challenges that the other two schools do not have. It's, it's much harder to control traffic flow at the high school uh, than it is at the other two schools because kids don't, don't stay together in groups. You know, I may be in this classroom, and when the bell rings, they may, I may seven students out of that way go seven different ways to seven different classes. I, so we can't just uh, stay together as a group. Uh, once again, we're going to be real uh, particular about the mask, and, and they're even older than middle school, so we expect to do that. And we're not going to put up with a uh, whole lot of issues with a mask at the high school. If they can't do that, then we're going. They're just going to have to go home because we, we, because they're not only exposing uh, themselves, they're exposing others. So they're they're going to have to cooperate with us there. So the mask, we are going to. We've got some things that Mr. Cole and Miss Lackey are working on about keeping students on the the right side of the hall and going in one direction as, as much as we can so that we're not bumping into each other in the halls. And we don't want one of those pictures like you see that happened to the school in Georgia where they're packed in a hallway with none of them with a mask on. We don't, we, you will not see one of those from Hanley High School. We're going to have a mask on. We're going to try to stay to our side. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, that is a challenge. Uh, uh, one thing, because of the, we have had about system-wide like 27% of our kids have chosen to, to do the virtual option. And uh, parents have two choices. They could do virtual or on-site as part of our plan. And what that's, and it's helped us in the regards that we will have, uh, uh, tw- you know, one, uh, 27% at home. That frees up a little space so that we'll be able to create some, create some distance. But uh we're going, to, we're going to have to wear a mask at the high school because we won't be able to maintain that six foot all the time. And that number, 27% staying at home, that kind of has changed a little bit uh, where at first I believe you were looking 10 to 12% and now, it, now it's gone up. Did you extend the deadline for that or tell us a little bit about the decision when it comes to the virtual part? Okay. Well, we said August the 3rd was the cutoff point as far as if you – by August the 3rd, if you chose that you was going to go virtual, we were not going to let you change your mind after August the 3rd uh, for virtual. Now, and the reason we did that is we've got a plan. 
for this first day. And uh, I've had three very difficult conversations this week with parents that had signed their child up for virtual. Now they've changed their mind. They want to come on site. We're not letting them. Now they can after the first trimester to high school and middle school and after the first nine weeks at night in low, uh, they can come back to on site. But we had to plan that. And the reason being, let's say we've got this third grade classroom and we know we've got 14 kids in there. We know we got the desk aligned and we can get six feet and we've got the shields up that we bought in our in some of our classrooms, the shields in between the desk. Well then if we let three people come in there that change their mind, then that messes the whole configuration of the room up. So that, that, that was why not to just be difficult. Now, what we did say, if you chose the on-site option, and because of you, as it gets closer to it, and you decide you want to go virtual, we'll let you do that as long as you sign a form, uh, sign your child up for a virtual option, realize that once you sign that form, you're in. Uh, and the reason we'll do that, that same scenario, if I've got 14 and I have two that want to come out, well, that's 12. That just creates more social distancing. But some parents don't understand that. They say you're not being consistent. Why you let this kid change and not that one? We are being consistent. We're not letting any child change their mind if they choose the virtual option. If you choose the on-site option, you, uh, you do have that right to change it. And there'll actually be a third group of students. So when we do have that positive case and we have to quarantine, then they'll do their instruction at home. But then when their 14 days is up, then they'll be able to come back on site if they choose to. If you have a student that is an on-site student and two weeks into the system they decide that they want to go virtually, is that the option right there or do they have to stay through that trimester or semester? No, we, we, would, we, we could work with them on that and let them go virtual. They don't, we, we want kids to feel comfortable and we would be able to work with them on that. I, I will say this about the virtual option, it is going to be a it's going to require a lot of self-discipline, and uh, you've got to have a lot of discipline to be able to be successful on the virtual option because those students are going to be held to, the, to completing the same standards that the kids on site do. So that they're held, and it's not going to be like they're going to do a packet of work and turn it in and get a grade. They're going to have to do the test, and like for example, at the high school, at the end of the trimester, they're going to have to come in and take a final. All kids are going to take final exams. And they're going to have to take a final on site. It won't be virtually, and it'll count 20% of their grade. And uh, uh, so we just we've got to do that to make sure that kids are getting uh, uh, being held accountable, but also that they're learning the standards they need because they're still going to have to take the ACT, and uh, we're going uh, uh, we're trying to get them ready for whatever they decide to do once they leave high school. Uh, so it's uh, uh, it's going to require more work. Now, having said that. Our teachers will assist the virtual students as well. We've built our schedules a little bit different this time. Like, you know, like for high school example, I think they get out at 2:05. Everybody will leave. Well, teachers are not leaving at 2:05. They'll use that time from 2:05 until 3:15 or 3:20 to work with their virtual students. They'll retouch base with them, and some of them will do it during the other parts of the day too. One thing I was real committed to doing to our staff was. We can't ask our teachers to teach on site all day long and then go home that night and teach virtual students. That's just not fair. And you didn't, they'll, they'll burn themselves out. So I've committed them. I want them to work in the structure of their day, that eight to three time frame. That's not exact time. 
but that we're gonna we're gonna cover our on-site and our virtual students during that time and parents just have to understand that if they have a question that night they're welcome to email their teacher but it'll be the next day before they'll probably get a response because they got they got families and life too they got to go home too we got a teacher shortage like it is and we don't want to be driving our teachers away so I'm, I'm committed to taking care of our teachers and you know you're going to have some teachers that love their students and love to teach and they're going to go home and they're going to they're probably going to do this what was your message to them on that they're on their own they do I, i'm here i'm going to take care of y'all back y'all meet with any parent but if you choose to do that then then, then that, that, that's on you. I, I didn't ask you to, and don't expect you to. You know, teachers are professionals just like doctors are and everyone else. They have office hours, and teachers have office hours, but you're right. We'll have some that will, but once you open that up, you've opened it up. So, uh, uh, you know, just be careful. All right, I want to talk a little bit about, we know that Chuck Markham didn't do all these plans. You had a team, and you got some input. Can you tell us a little bit about your administrative staff that, that played a part in, in helping you come to these decisions? Oh yeah, I, I definitely didn't do it all by myself. We, we, have a, we work together as a group here. They usually do a lot better when I stay out of their way. Uh, but the, uh, a lot of the credit goes to Dr. Kim Hendon, my assistant superintendent, and Ms. Lynn Perry, who's the uh, special education uh, director, but also does a lot of other things for us, and we compose our central office, and uh, those two, and then our three principals, uh, uh, Miss Tina Music, Miss Lynn Robinson, and Mr. Greg Foster before he left, and Mr. Todd Cole, uh, since he has left, we've worked together, we've met, and then uh, Dr. Kelly Hendon, who uh, serves a dual role, she's our uh, high school counselor, but also our system-wide test uh, uh, director and she's a, she's been very helpful in these plans and Mr. Blake Treble, our technology guy who we couldn't do it without him, especially the virtual part of this. So we have met uh, for the first uh, two to three months, it was all on Zoom. We, we were constantly meeting by Zoom because we were not together. Uh, starting in the, during the middle of the summer there, we started getting back together some, but it's been a, a collaborative effort uh, between us and we've had so many plans that we went back and forth on and then what happens is the principals go to their they have leadership teams at their school so then they go back and they talk about the things that we talk about and they get input then they bring it back so it's really been a system-wide effort to pull this together but no this is this is not a Chuck Markham plan I, I, had, I had I signed off on it but it's it's, it's definitely a, a Roanoke system plan all right a week and one day away from the start of football season. Everybody's talking about what you're going to do for tickets and uh, how will it look at the at the fields. Uh, and you you have a new leadership team at Hanley High School. Todd Cole has been elevated to the principal's job. Uh, came highly recommended. Greg Foster said that Todd Cole was ready. And you bring in a new person from uh, out of town to take on the assistant principal's role. Tell us a little bit about that team and about how you are going to, and I know you're not going to divulge it, but uh, talk a little bit about the game day plan and management. Okay. Well, first of all, you know, I want to give me a chance to publicly say once again how much I appreciate Greg Foster and what he did here uh, during his 17 years and his last 10 years as principal at the high school, and he is a dear friend and he will stay a dear, uh, a dear friend to, 
as long as I'm on this earth, and we've talked several times since he's been down at Pike Road, and I'm just so happy for him and his family and uh, support that move uh, and wish him nothing but the best. But uh, having said that, uh, I, I'm very excited about Hanley High School this year. Uh, 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 Mr. Cole is a graduate of uh, Hanley High School. He, he makes me feel very old because he was one of my eighth grade students at one time. So I had him when he was an eighth grade student when his feet didn't even touch the floor when he was sitting in his desk. And uh, now he's the principal, uh, but he's been, uh, uh, he was assistant principal of our for seven years and him and Mr. Foster formed a great team and they worked together and Mr. Foster was his mentor. You could not have a better mentor than Greg Foster. And Todd's, I think, the perfect person to help lead us through this uh, pandemic that we're in because he's familiar with the uh, Hanley High School for having worked there and been assistant principal for seven years. He loves the place because he is a Hanley graduate. Ironically, the first alumni, uh, alumnus ever of Hanley High School to come back and serve as principal. So he wants it to do well. It's more than just a job to him. So he will be our principal, as you said. We did change our, stru our, our the uh, structure of the high school uh, from where it was before and that Mr. Foster had also served in there as a Rose athletic director. Uh, I made the decision that I wanted to uh, coach Strain to be our athletic director. Uh, the reason is, is, is Mr. Cole's plate is full. I mean, it is full. When you're trying to open up school during a pandemic, your first year as principal, and I just I want to do everything I can to help make that a successful experience. Not that he couldn't have done a good job as athletic director, and even though he's not athletic director, he still has the final say. If you're playing hand, rock, and scissors, the, the principal gets the final say, so uh, he'll still be heavily involved in that. But, but Coach Strain is uniquely qualified to be an athletic director because having worked for several years at Woodland and coaching several different sports, he's not your typical football coach in that he loves all of the sports. And, and, and that, most football coaches, or a lot of football coaches, are all about football. Uh, but, but Coach Strain, you know, he, he helps with the girls' basketball program. You'll see him at softball games and baseball games. And he, he it's not just a title for him. It's something he's going to take seriously about being over the athletics. And he had been the athletic director at Woodland and did a great job there. So I thought that would just be a great help for Todd to have someone with experience in that position. And then our assistant principal is Miss Jill Lackey. Uh, Miss Lackey comes to us from Talladega where she'd worked there for the past 12 years and five years before that she'd been in marketing. And so she has a unique skill set that's going to bring something to the high school that we haven't had in the, in the administration and that she's more of a, uh, a curriculum person. She has a lot of innovative ideas on uh, how to uh, improve the uh, delivering of instruction and also uh, uh, behavioral uh, strategies that she uh, has that from her background in special education, which I think will be just a, a great uh, fit uh, for the uh, the high school staff. But far as the specifics of what we're going to do as a game day uh, home football and away football, uh, I'd really rather Mr. Cole uh, be the one that gives you that information because he's going to be the one that implements it on Friday night. I'm just going to go watch the game. Let him do all that stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn that over to Mr. Cole. Let him go over those specifics with you.